Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Dustin Hensley to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Um, and Dustin, I was real excited to see you on social media. You recently caught my attention when I saw an award, a huge award that you got. So tell us a little bit about that award. Yeah, so I was recently very surprised to see that I was named as one of Library Journal's uh, 2021 movers and shakers in the field of librarianship, uh, specifically for being a school librarian. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what in particular caught their eye about you? So I was nominated by one of my students uh, for the award, and they had written about the work I do with um, student roundtables and um, advocating for student voice on campus. Awesome. And I know that will be a topic we talk about later on, but congratulations. That's such a huge thing. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your background with the library. How long have you been a librarian and like what, what kind of areas have you worked in? So I'm currently starting my seventh year here at Elizabethan High School as the librarian. Okay. Uh, previously, I spent uh, six months in an interim position as an elementary librarian, okay. uh, also in Northeast Tennessee. Um, so I came into librarianship uh, not intending to be a librarian. Whenever I went first went to college, okay. I wanted to be a history professor. Um, I had a very specific um, niche in history that I really liked. I did my thesis on um, the U.S.-Japanese relations in the 19th century, oh, wow. uh, specifically the Bakumatsu period of Japan. I knew what I was going to do. Uh, I, I was going to be a history professor, teach Japanese history, and that was my, my uh, path. But while this was happening, um, I was working in an after-school program in a high school library helping students get caught up on credit recovery, and I just fell in love with the surrounding that surroundings that I had. Um, it was the high school I graduated from. Uh, they kept me on board when I graduated to paid me to tutor and work with credit recovery. So I got to work very closely with my school librarian, okay. um, and just her influence in working with teenagers made me fall in love with what a library could be. Wow. Um, so I uh, was getting, I was had a uh, minor in education so I could teach high school history while I finished my doctorate. And in going through those classes, I felt like I could not um, ethically force students to learn something they didn't want to learn about. So I was thinking like, if I were in class teaching history one day, and a student said, I want to learn about dinosaurs, I'd have to tell them too bad. You have to learn about what I want you to learn about today. And just the lack of agency that students have in the classroom caused me to really go away from wanting to be a classroom teacher and also wanting to be a professor to moving to, I want to be in a place where I can help students learn about what they want to learn about, no matter what it is, all the time, uh, so they can be the leaders of their own learning journey. And being in the library, working in the after-school program at the time, I connected the dots and so this is where I want to spend my life is in a hospital library. Yeah I, I love how you're sharing that and I'm, I'm actually on a little mini vacation right now in a commercial from a college that um, I hadn't heard before because I'm not from this area. It says you know we're not here uh, you're not we're not here to change the world we're here to change you so you can change the world and when I just heard that I was like whoa I, you know I love that because that's what we do as librarians. You know, we're, we're working with them and helping them so that they can get out there and, 
pursue their passions and their interests and, and change the world. So, well, that, that, what a wonderful story um, for how you ended up, you know, in the library. And we're, I know we're glad um, to have you in our profession, but I think you're the first Tennessee librarian um, that I've interviewed. So what can you tell us, like, what are the requirements? Because your trip, you know, to getting to this point, you know, was not what I would have thought of as a direct route to becoming a school librarian. So what, what is the, what are the requirements to be a librarian in Tennessee? So there's a requirement for a um, master's in uh, school library. Okay. okay. But there are no prerequisites for teaching experience. It's just um, preference and hiring that okay. if you would need to have so many years of experience for a certain district in teaching. Yeah. So I, I taught English as a second language before I was a librarian. I did that for, I only did that for five months until I got to move into an interim position, but I had a small amount of teaching experience before they allowed me to move into a school library role. All right. So did you have to go back to school then and get another master's in library since you had, you were on a route in another direction? <laughs> So, right, so whenever I was, I talked to my advisor in history, what do I do? Because I want to be a librarian, not a history teacher now. And he said, drop the education minor, go get your master's in school library, and you can get certified that route. So I became certified in education through my master's in library. Okay, very good. It's good to know. Everybody has such unique routes, and I love the different ways states, you know, have it set up, you know, for what works in their area. And so that's, that's a good good way for Tennessee um, to do that. So you, you talked about your internship and you know you haven't been there too many years, but so what do you remember about those earliest years? What was it like in the library? Well, specifically in my elementary time, uh, the six months I was there, I, I really remember thinking, this is not for me. I need <laughs> to get to a high school as quickly as possible. Right. Um, uh, I have all the respect in the world for elementary librarians and how they're able to um, influence young readers and all of that. Um, I remember having battles with accelerated reader um, and students wanting to read certain books and with my philosophy of coming in that even if it was above their uh, reading range, still letting them check it out and having to go up against teachers saying they can't read this, this is not in their um, bracket or whatever, mm -hmm. and I'd say, well, they need to challenge themselves, and they can read it, and I can read it with them, you know, all those kind of things, so I remember thinking, wow, this is not for me. I need to get to a high school as quickly as possible, uh, which luckily I did get to, so my first year of high school uh, librarianship, I wanted to do everything all at once. Um, I, I came in and looked at the library, and it had the same librarian. Uh, it, the building had been here since 1974. There'd only been two librarians since then. Oh my goodness! Wow. So um, it was very, and it had all the original furniture to the building. Okay. Whenever I came in, so everything was from 1974, um, and I I just came and looked at it and like, wow, this looks like my grandmother's house. Um, surely teenagers don't want to hang out here. So like, I need to change everything. And um, that's not the best way to look at it. Like, I don't do everything at once. Um, if I had to give advice to my previous self, it would be um, take small things and change those as you can. Don't try to tackle everything all at once. Because um, when you're trying to do everything all at once, you kind of lose sight of personal time <laughs> and allowing yourself to do yeah. And, and, you know, even during this pandemic time where we talk about now the need for self-care, even if there wasn't a pandemic, you know, we, we need that time, you know, for self-care because we do want to 
could just totally dive in, you know, invest in our students and the environment, you know, making it the best we can. So that's good. All right. So I think my biggest piece of advice for young teachers is telling them, hey, don't be here in the building until seven o'clock at night every night. Like you need to go home and spend time with your family and just spend time with yourself. That's so important. Yeah. And you know what, if you're interviewing for a job, I would even, especially if it's at the elementary level, I think at high school, there's cars around there all the time. But I would say even drive by that school in the late afternoon and early evening, because I can think of schools in my area where there are still cars there, you know, at an elementary school, you know, till 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. I'm like, oh, my goodness, y'all need to go home. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> so <laughs> you'll get a little taste of what the climate of that school is like, you know, the expectations are. <laughs> Unless it's a parent event when the course are there. But <laughs> yeah. All right. So Dustin, at the time of, the, of this recording, it's still summertime and and this is a time when a lot of librarians are um, thinking about next year and you know what preparing some things for next year. So what kind of things do you do in the summertime that kind of help you get ready for the next school year? So I usually pick one big thing that I want to work on during the school year. Now that I've gotten to the point where I realize I can't change the world all at once. Oh, yeah. um, I, I was very fortunate that my first year I helped write a grant um, and got $2.5 million for the school. Oh my gosh. Uh, so part of that funding has went to completely remodeling the library. Um, so I, I've been very fortunate in that regard that a lot of the things that I wanted to change, I did get to change in my first couple of years here. I know that's very out of the ordinary mm-hmm. and that's not advice to anyone that, hey, go get $2.5 million from learning pal jobs. That's just not something that generally happens. Like that was my one thing that I wanted to make the shelves look better yeah. for just more appealing for students to come in. Like this school year, my summer is being spent um, doing a huge amount of weeding Mm. Um, just finding those old uh, most of the books that we have been trying to update the collection slowly um, because the average age of a book is older than I am in this library so I've been trying to slowly do it but this year I've just made the decision I'm going to do like tear the band-aid off Mm -hmm. and just weed out Mm -hmm. a very large amount of books that are just outdated and what I want to do is take those and create art projects out of them and do it as a fundraiser Uh, so I want to give new life to the books (laughs) yeah that's good. There was a lady I did interview from Pennsylvania and she did some fun things with books. So if I find that link, I'll post it in the, the show notes and you can get maybe get a few ideas, you know, what she did. Um, that'd be excellent. I'd love to see that. Yeah, that'd be good. All right. So and you're so you're actually physically going back to school. You know, a lot of people will do things from home, but you you found something that is important enough to you, you know, that you're gonna actually go back. Um, very good. Okay, so at this point, you know, I know we've got resurgence of a new variant and different things, but I, I love to think about us as hopefully post-pandemic, <laughs> you know, the biggest part of it. But um, so what has been that biggest takeaway for you? You know, we went through a lot of changes as a profession. Um, what, what, what has been kind of the big thing that, that has happened with you professionally because of the pandemic? Well, part of it has been that my role has shifted. Um, so I have been because of everything that's happened here at the high school level, I've been put in charge of internal external communications for the school. So the word media is in my title. So that just means that I'm, I work with the news or something, I guess. Um, So I am like the information hub for the school. So all the information that teachers or admin need to go out they'll send it to me to put out to everyone else that needs to know it. Um, So like I run our social media and our school website 
Um, I'm over all of the mass emails for students and teachers, that kind of thing. Um, so that part of my role has changed quite a bit. Um, but that's not something that I previously did, but because of um, us not having the ability to in-person tell people what they need to know, uh, they thought it would be um, smart to have one person be over all the information and um, put it the, in the right direction where it needs to go. So that, that's been quite a bit of a change for me uh, and just learning how social media algorithms work and all that kind of stuff and that kind of research. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that personally, in my belief for this profession, is just how important uh, in-person relationships are and how much I miss those. Um, Everything that I do here is based on personal relationships with students and my coworkers uh, and the administration. So not having the ability to do that or having to do that uh, from distance Mm -hmm. um, really changes the job. So having to rely more on um, book displays to get students' attentions when they see a book yeah. or something like that, um, instead of being able to talk with them closely and figure out what's happening in their life and what their cares and interests are to lead them to a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's been a pretty big difference. Definitely. All right. So is there anything else? Like, I love to talk about the influence that we have as librarians on the campus, you know, because we really impact a lot with the students and with the educators, administrators, parents. Has there been any kind of change in your influence that you've seen during this time? Uh, part of that does come with me being the information persons that I've been able to take more of a leadership role. Okay. Um, I've previously, I was given some um, leadership and um, helping with professional development and uh, helping with teachers, yeah. but now uh, I'm more of the information and technology side. So I've also um, have a lot of people come to me with technology questions and instructional technology. Um, how do we find resources to be able to post on our Google Classroom or now on our Canvas page for our students? Yeah. Uh, so I've worked with teachers previously on project-based learning, but over the last year, it's been a whole lot of uh, how do we teach online and provide resources for our students? Okay. All right. So that's good because you were a leader before, but I think more people now are seeing that about you, you know, so hopefully post pandemic, they're going to keep coming to you, you know, and trusting you, you know, to help them, you know, with the next stage of of whatever they're working on. All right. So Dustin, early on, when you talked about the award that you won, uh, you talked about uh, the student roundtables and building student relationships. So let's talk a little bit more about that. What what does that mean to you? Or how do you build student relationships? So for me, initially, just as a librarian, it's super important to build a relationship with a student to be able to guide them to what they need. Um, When I talked about my genesis and becoming a librarian, part of that was uh, not being able to be a classroom teacher because I have to force knowledge upon them, even if they don't want to learn it. And part of that is that I don't want them to become reliant on me for information. Point. that I want to help them build up the capital they need in themselves to be able to advocate for their own needs or to be able to find information for themselves and verify for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know uh, we all know across this profession the, um, the desperate times we're in right now with misinformation uh, and the ability to um, look at information and verify it for yourself or compare it to other pieces of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, so part of that is just building that relationship so they'll trust me enough that I can lead them to learning these new topics or how to find this information for themselves so that whenever they graduate from here, they're not waiting for someone to tell them what to do. Uh, They know how to go out and find it for themselves. Good point. Very good point. 
And also, um, just building that relationship, I get to be the person in the building that they know is not going to judge them. Um, and teachers can build amazing relationships with students, but eventually they're going to have to judge that student with a grade and an assessment. A librarian never has to do that. So I get to be an advocate for students always and never have to be moved to that position to advocate or to uh, judge them mm-hmm. um, on their performance, their ability to do something. Okay. So that's an amazing part of getting to build that relationship. I never have to put our relationship in peril or mm-hmm. potentially lose that relationship because of that judgment call that the teachers have to make an assessment. Yeah. So I'm curious, I know you kind of talked about it a little bit that you didn't want to be able to force students to have to study a certain thing or whatever. Was there something that happened that kind of made this be the key, your key focus, you know, that you really, that made this so important to you? I, there's not really like a, um, a point where I can remember that it just clicked or whatever, but I remember whenever I was, I was in my first education class in college and I had to go watch a um, third grade classroom, mm-hmm. uh, even though I was going for secondary education and I got placed in a third grade class classroom and then it was like my first time being in an elementary classroom in a long time yeah and I just remember seeing uh, students working how they were working and the teacher telling them like redirecting them back to this certain focus mm-hmm. and it just kind of that's that's one of the things that like helped me click that I don't know if I can do this or not because I care so much about their learning yeah um, because I don't want it to be about my teaching I want it to be about their learning and their growth mm-hmm. um, I think about it like working out that if I go to the gym and watch people pick up weights, they're going to get strong and I'm not. True. I can, I can watch them work out all day, but I'll never get stronger. Mm-hmm. So if teachers are doing all the heavy lifting, then they're the ones that are the ones that are working out in this um, illusion, but the students are not being able to do heavy lifting for themselves. Okay. So that that's my main um, like paradigm whenever I think about education is making sure that the, um, the work is on the students so that they're responsible for their own learning and growth. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So from your experience or the things that you do, what, how would you help new librarians or just our listeners in general work on this, on building student relationships? Yeah. So one of the things that I do that I've done for the um, last year or so is doing student roundtables. And what the kind of student that I'm looking for are the students that don't necessarily get to have an opinion in what happens in the school. So I'm not looking for the students that are um, elected by the student body for these positions or they're not in student government, but they're the ones that fall through the cracks. They're the ones that you might find eating lunch in the library like in the corner by themselves. Those are the kind of kids that I want to look for to get their opinion because they need to understand how to advocate for themselves and for the needs of others around them. Um, that I want to help build social capital up in them. So I try to find those kids and make them feel like they're part of something. And that being the library, um, that their voice matters here. Yeah. So I um, try to start building a relationship with them. They'll ask them, hey, we're having a conversation over here. Would you like to join in? Here's what we're talking about. Um, And one of the most important things is the understanding that this is not just a place to complain about things that we're here to be solutions oriented, that we're not going to lead with deficit. We're going to look at ways that we can make things better. So uh, most of these, that type of student have a lot of things that they think is wrong with the school. Uh, That's why they don't belong to anything because they see so much that they don't agree with, or they just don't feel like they belong in. Um, So I start out with having these conversations with them 
and I'll be the one to go to the administration and talk about those things for them, uh, just so they can see that they're, this is something beneficial, that it's not just us talking and blowing smoke or whatever, yeah. but hey, something can come from this. And eventually I want them to move to them being the one doing the talking for what their needs are and what they want uh, out of their education. So that way they understand once they leave the, the school, this is how democracy works, yeah. that you have the ability to go and advocate for yourself and your needs and what you want to see happen in your community. Okay, very good. So like with your roundtables, kind of can you talk a little bit about just how they're run? Like if somebody thinks, okay, I want to try this, well, how, how would they start a roundtable, student roundtable? So one thing that I do is I do where I have the access to um, all the student emails and everything that I do surveys okay. from students. And then I will take the information and synthesize it and bring it to the roundtables to give to students so they can see, here's what your peers actually think about things. Hmm. Uh, so that way I have something concrete that we can talk about. Yeah. So there'll be a topic of discussion that I come with that they might, sometimes they might not agree with what we're talking about that day. They don't talk about something else and that's fine. Like I'll help, I'll allow them to lead that conversation elsewhere. Um, if it's something pertinent that we can do something about, but I want to bring something to their attention that they get to see data because um, generally that's something that like we hoard to ourselves or we give it out in ways that no one can understand. It's not a teacher. Um, so I want them to be able to see it in a very simple way that, okay, this is what my peers think. This is my personal experience. How, how can I, um, what are some ideas we can have? Yeah. And one thing that I try to tell them is that, ideas aren't like you're an extension of self ideas are just ideas so if you do put out an idea that doesn't work that doesn't mean that you were like totally wrong or an outcast or whatever it just means hey that's an idea that didn't work let's try to think up some more yeah that it's okay for us to brainstorm together and throw out ideas um so some resources for people that want to do this kind of work um i would say look at ideo with their uh, human-centered design okay. and also Stanford's D school with design thinking. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of great resources in those if you've looked those up um, on how to center things around empathy first okay. and then build out from there. Wow. And I love it too, because you're, you're talking about the social emotional, um, your SEL is just all over the place and what you're doing there, which is very important. Um, especially when we think about kids who don't necessarily fit in, you know, we saw that you know, as a nation, we know that's something we need to focus on as well. Um, can you give a couple of examples of like what a roundtable topic might be? Yeah, um, so a lot of what it would end up being would be the uh, social emotional health is what a lot of this would come down to. That a lot of survey results, which we actually got to um, work with uh, Credo at Stanford University that helped us with surveys. Um, okay. And now we're working with um, a different group. We're helping with surveys just so that way we have uh, on the teacher admin end, we can make sure that we're getting the best type of surveys out there. Okay. Um, but generally they feel comfortable on the academic side on the whole as this whole student body. Mm -hmm. um, but the social emotional health is what they want support in. Okay. So, um, some of the things that they've wanted to do is they've thought that the counseling office was was too closely connected to the administrative offices. Oh, and so okay. Uh, if you went in, you weren't for certain if they were in trouble or not. Yeah. So they didn't feel fully comfortable going in. So that's something that came out that we got to have a meeting with one of the counselors and say, "Hey, 
these are some feelings that we have about this. Is there something we can do about it? So we feel more comfortable going in. So um, that was one of our first topics that came out. And now the counseling office has been completely redone to where now it's student center and the administration, the administrative office has moved uh, to a different side of that section of the building. So that way students can come in and it's just student support in that place. So it doesn't look like what's, um, what's that student having to go in there for? Yeah, I love that. That is beautiful. Yeah, so we have the mental, and we've gotten a mental health counselor now on top of college and career counselors and guidance counselors. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's been really big for students that this is something that they brought up in one of our first roundtables. And now almost two years later, we're getting to see all this come to fruition. Yeah. Beautiful. That is wonderful. Well, no wonder they, they, your student nominated you for, for the Mover and Shaker Award. That, that's really neat. Um, so for, for our listeners, are there any other like first steps you would recommend for them if they want to start thinking about doing this? Uh, yeah. Um, like I said, surveys are really good, even if you're doing them on a small scale. Uh, those are a great way to start out. Um, I am fully available uh, in the show notes. She'll have my Twitter and such. Um, I'm fully available to talk with this with you. I I love talking about student voice. Um, If you want to look up organizations like student voice, um, there is um, XQ has good resources as well. So there are things, there are resources out there that you can look up to see, to get a start on how to do this kind of things that a lot of this stuff is free as well. So I know that libraries are always the most fully budgeted things. Um, and also getting buy-in from the teacher's administration that they understand what you're doing. Okay. Good. So that they don't think that you are just um, creating the resistance in the library um, to come and overtake things or to be angry about things or whatever. That um, is that, a very good point. <laughs> But we're not trying to do that. Um, what we want to be able to do is just to be able to help students advocate mm-hmm. and understand how to build social capital in themselves. Yeah. So talking with teachers and administrators and saying, hey, I want to do this and this is why. And I'm, I'm not going to allow it just to become a grab session yeah. that we want to be um, focused on solutions. So that way they can take these this way of thinking, whether it be design thinking or whatever, yeah. uh, just to be social and they can take that with them into the community so that we can see this uh, positive feedback loop that we're training these kids to create solutions for what's happening around them that'll make our community better in the long run. Awesome. Very good. Well, thanks for sharing about that, Dustin. So Dustin, um, you've you've got some very creative ideas here. Like like where do you go to get these kind of ideas or like what, what do you do to stay sharp and keep learning as a librarian, keep improving? So I try to be engaged in my uh, state uh, association of school librarians to see what's happening elsewhere, especially looking at Twitter and Instagram, things like that, um, just to see some what people are doing, especially in the craft. I'm not good at crafts and that type of the, like, I can't make a bulletin board that looks really well. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. not my special. I like to see what other people do so I can see if I can get my student workers to do it mm-hmm. because I can't, um, I can't cut a straight line let alone make some of these awesome things you people make um shout out katie darty and buncombe uh, high school in north carolina with the macgyver librarianship hashtag oh really cool stuff Uh, she's done some articles in school library journal as well Uh, and then i try to not just live inside the world of librarianship but see what's happening everywhere um 
So reading books on all kinds of different topics, whether it be um, how math is taught in the classroom compared to how it's used in the workforce, like in engineering and such, mm -hmm. um, or reading a book about how to make community relations, not from the education side, but just how do you utilize the power of place and community. So trying to just be really wide, uh, casting a wide net whenever I look for resources and trying to make those connections to, okay, here's this really good idea that a, a town did and wherever, how can I do something similar in the library? Okay, makes sense. Uh, so I try to have a scope that I really enjoy my library scope and I'm very uh, intentional about learning just about library, but then also look elsewhere for ideas too. Very good. That makes a lot of sense. Even when you think about leadership, you know, of course there are some library leadership books, but there's some awesome just leadership books in general that we can pull a lot of gems from, you know, that we can do things with. So. Um, so Dustin, you offered yourself on social media to our audience. So tell us again, where can they find you online so they can connect? So the only professional account that I have is on Twitter. So you can find me there at, at DSHensley, E-D-U. Okay. And we will have that linked in the show notes for our audience. So if you want to follow him and start getting more ideas from him and see what he's talking about, um, that link will be there for you to, to connect with Dustin. But Dustin, thanks so much for your time today. It was a pleasure meeting you and congratulations again on your uh, Mover and Shaker Award, uh, something that many librarians will probably aspire to and you've, you've gotten that award already. So that, that's a huge deal. So congratulations and have a great day and have a great fall. Thank you for having me.